This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Namaskar, Satsri Akal. Welcome to the News Laundry Hafta where we discuss what's making the news and what isn't but should. Today we have a panelist from outside the news laundry fold. Uh, I think the third time you're coming, Dada? Yeah. Third time. Okay, so before I introduce him, I would like to usually, as usual, plug. Angrez apna lagan or news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. When the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served. Please subscribe to News Laundry and help keep news free and independent. If you don't like us, subscribe to someone who you like. But unless you chip in on supporting news, news will not serve you. That is our philosophy here. So, lots happened last week. There was the tragic shooting and killing of a journalist in Bangalore. I'm sure all of you have heard of what happened. Gauri Lankesh, editor of... Lankesh Patrika, Gauri Lankesh Patrika. Then there was Raghuram Rajan's interview, which made headlines early in the week before this captured all the wall-to-wall coverage, where he criticized demonetization. Before that, there was a cabinet reshuffle, which dominated the weekend headlines for I don't know what reason. I don't know why cabinet reshuffles are so fascinating, but evidently they are. That Sunday ka bhi advertising revenue because no one's fucking watching news on Sunday. Then there's the Rohingya refugee crisis. Uh, which I'm sure our panelist has a lot to say. I've seen him tweeting about this. And I think that should probably take up all the time we have today. In case we have any more time, we can talk about the protests in Chennai over the neat petitioner's suicide that happened last week, but we can discuss it this week. And there was um, disengagement at Dokulam with the army chief making a statement today with the possibility of two-front war. I don't know why he made that statement out of the blue, but maybe there are some reasons. When everything's been sorted, why revisit again? With that, let me introduce our panel. Madhu is back from Kerala, Karela, God's Own Country and other places. Welcome back, Madhu. We missed Thank you all you. three haftas. Oh, gosh. Almost a mahina. Oh. <laughs> we have our managing editor, Raman Kripal. Hi, Raman. Hi. Our panelist today, consulting editor of ABP, Kanchan Gupta. Hi, Kanchanda. Hi. And um, our very own in-house consulting editor, Anand Ranganathan. Hello. Who's got... A haircut and a little puff like Devan Verma. Oh my God! <laughs> you shouldn't have said Not that. Devananda. I'm gonna get another haircut. So then, so you'll get a crew cut. So, Kanchanda, let's start with you since you are our guest. What would you like to start with? What do you want to discuss out of all the things that I mentioned? Or would you want to go with something completely unrelated? You're welcome to. I wish I could do that. But I think it's only fair uh, you should begin with uh, the rather grisly and ghastly uh, hmm. murder of Gauri Lankesh. Right. After all, I mean, no, not every day that a journalist gets killed. Hmm. Though, as Anand has uh, uh, done some research and compiled uh, facts over the last uh, four years, three years? Yeah, four years. Yeah. Four years. 2013 to 2017. Some 23 journalists have been killed in this country. Hmm. And uh, sadly, you know, we get too obsessed with what the uh, media freedom ranking of India is, etc., etc. Those rankings like the UNDP rankings once upon a time don't quite reflect the reality. Hmm. We have a pretty free and fiercely free media in the country. We have a flourishing media. Uh, Often opinion is more free than it should be. And often facts are on a discount, but nonetheless, we have a free and robust media. Hmm. But despite that, when something like this happens and we are looking at what almost seven, seven to eight journalists being killed every year, 
there must be something wrong somewhere which desperately needs to be looked into sure i i mean um on the coverage of this issue i mean i have views I, i'd like the panel's view on should the dead body be shown we've discussed this in different context earlier on two things when you say we have a very free media i disagree completely i think our media is very far from free especially when you compare it to the other liberal democracies around the world but it's i mean just the fact that twitter shut down including yours under the upa those kind of intimidations happen and when that happen at the business level people back off secondly about anand's table i'm not sure what that table was actually trying to show because i there were five journalists whose tweets about different journalists killed so i'm not sure what it proves but as far as gauri lankesh's views con- uh, killing is concerned i can see why english media will give it the kind of headlines and the wall to wall space it did because she was a political figure not just a media figure and in the current context that is one of the you know defining battles of of this political environment we are staying we are in so i can see why that gets more play than you know let's say i mean we've covered a few of those deaths we no, you know no, covered one in muzaffar nagar i think it's only nagar. fair that we explain that what uh, hmm. anand has done is that he has just basically compiled journalist killings over the last 4 years that's only one part of it and who did they work for when were they killed where were they killed etc mm. the second part is that uh, what he has done is he's taken five senior journalists who are all over social media especially twitter and uh, who comment on anything and everything including whether was it badminton should be played in a particular way how many on how many of those deaths how many of them have commented how many tweets so she has, he has basically compiled the number of tweets now you know every killing is like it's every death is unpardonable i mean it's 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 not acceptable but a point that for which i i, I don't obviously i'm not it uh, gauri lankesh had nothing to do with it she died but the kind of response we are seeing now that sort of a response was missing when the others were killed so that raises a question and a very natural question that if the vocal protest had been strong enough or had been sufficiently strong enough then perhaps that could have been a deterrent for people who think that they can kill a journalist and get away with it so that to a limited point that is what he was trying okay, to explain okay anand i can what exactly was that table trying to explain cuz yeah, so, i wasn't clear you know two or three things one is that that table essentially it listed out all the journalists who've been murdered a lot more have been attacked by the way hmm. you know so these are just the journalists who've been killed i think you left out one which mm-hmm. is this ramchandran chatrapati who was killed for reporting ram rahim's no this is from 2013 so this is in the last 4 years okay. now so that 22 including uh, the last terrible grizzly crime of gauri lankesh and when i tabulated it i found that 21 of those were actually uh, had never appeared in english media or written in english gauri lankesh was the only exception where she's written for wire and you know she's appeared on uh, english media and things of that sort so now uh, that that table on its own you can draw a lot of inferences from it like a lot of people have done that there is a class bias uh, you know between the vernacular i hate to use that word but you know regional media because a lot of them were uh, not only hindi they were telugu mm. there's one from ap host of them i think 40% of them were from up 
hmm. you know, uh, some from Bihar, basically from the north, with the exception of Gauri Lankesh now, and one person from Andhra Pradesh who used to write for Andhra uh, Patrika. So you you can draw that conclusion. Where that data kind of gels in with what I have seen in, over the last two days is that, and many people have asked me why, and the, the next tweet was, as Kanchanda just elucidated, that, you know, I took these uh, social media and, in fact, mainstream media influencers, these five uh, journalists, and I found out, uh, you know, found out how much, uh, you know, and this is a rudimentary one because these are tweets. Hmm. These are not, uh, you know, articles and things of that sort. Hmm. Now, the point is when uh, Gauri Lankesh, uh, the news came in that, you know, she was killed, she was shot dead. For the next immediate one or two hours and for the whole day next, there was an avalanche of criticism, narrative, which is actually fine because a lot of those people who actually are in the English media, they're probably friends with her. I mean, I, I've just read her, one of her articles, but, you know, I, I didn't know her or anything like that. But it's, it's only natural if you know her very well, then you would write about her. But the avalanche of Sherlock Holmes that descended, having, you know, f- for the next one hour, having solved the case, oh, this person has done it, that person but has done it. that's not what the table was Exem- doing. No, so I'm just hmm. adding to that, you see. Now, when that narrative builds up, you carry that news for about 48 hours, which is what the case is. And then suddenly you find out that the other 21, you know, no barring narrative. one or two uh, exceptions, uh, Ramdeo Ranjan was one. Hmm. And uh, Rajdeep and other people tweeted about, uh, you know, the IBN employee that was killed and one Ajtak journalist. Mm. You know, barring that, the other 19, you know, no one knows about that. So then you begin to wonder that either we take this as an inflection point, i.e. that from now on, let's, you know, like the Nirbhaya incident was. Now, you can say that there were you know, rapes before as well. But it was Nirbhaya rape that actually brought Justice Verma committee and all those things. So changes were made. Now, I, in a very obtuse way, look at it from a social Darwinian angle. You know, I I don't want a Nirbhaya case to happen for us to formulate the guidelines. Okay, these should happen before that. But it's not that 10,000 journalists have been killed. It's 20 journalists have been killed. They are from the same fraternity as the other journalists who are driving the narrative. Now, many people ask, why didn't you compile a list of uh, Hindi media journalists, whether they have tweeted or not? Now, Kanchanda would actually correct me if I'm wrong, that most of the media narrative that we see, uh, you know, in, in our cities and in the newspapers, in, in the television channels particularly, and increasingly filtering on to the Hindi media is actually driven by English media journalists. But that depends on the... the so, the, for example... That depends on the you know space you occupy. I don't. I think you hear the you know the the bubble. So when you, you have in. seven or eight people who are actually taking this forward, who are insinuating that oh this person uh, is responsible or this sangatan is responsible for it, this thing has no, happened. No, but Anand, that's and not what that table does. The no, table no, just I'm, says this is how many mentions I'm, there were. No, just to repeat. Okay, so when you're adding that bit to the the coverage. Okay, so that should be included in the coverage of the Lankesh thing. So, for example, when you're driving a coverage, your coverage can be that, oh, it's absolutely awful that this incident has happened and she was this, she was that, you know, all that stuff. But when you link it with, oh, you know, insinuate something, then you carry that thing forward because then you immediately write and, we'll just and you talk to a lot about... Yeah, Madhu. You know, uh, so one thing I just wanted to make a point where uh, I disagree with Kanjanda, which is, that uh, you said that we have a free and ro- robust press. I think the free free and robust press have been dwindling since when the Congress Party came in power. And uh, it is even more difficult to find 
uh, to prove subterranean pressures, which, and I've spoken to many owners and editors of uh, large newspapers, and all of them have felt the pressure. And we know that there are editors who've been fired for negative stories. We know that there have been resignations over these issues. Report, there have been, editors have been told that they have to fire someone for a particular story. And they have complied. More and they have complied. Uh, we know that uh, Krishna Prasad left his job. So this is not, it is, it's free to a point. But the point here is that there is a misunderstanding, I feel, with the Congress, with any ruling party in India, and is becoming more and more medieval as time goes on, where fear is associated with your own power. So if you create fear amongst people, you are more powerful. And I think that's a medieval outlook, a perception, which is being pushed to keep everybody in a state of fear. So today, even during the Congress time, when Robert Vadra's story was lying in every editor's desk for almost six months, nobody ran it. And then finally, the reporter gave it to Arvind Kejriwal. Kejriwal then held a news conference and then everybody shot over his shoulder. So that has become our tradition now that there is a, you want to call it cowardly, I think that's a very strong word to use because it's extremely difficult when you're faced with a situation that you run a story and you will lose your job. Then what happens? And there are millions of unsung heroes who took a stand and are jobless today. And Madhu, just on one more thing, I'd like your view on the coverage of, uh, you know... On the bodies. I think there is a BBC, CNN, all follow this rule and I don't know why we don't. So they have uh, in their directives that they do not show uh, gruesome dead bodies. They'll actually, they don't even blur it. They don't show it. At all. At all. So you think so that's, it's a that very clear thing. The... And I, there is nothing to be gained in journalism to show Gauri Lankesh's body lying in that position or even making funny drawings about how it was how the incident happened right. I think it's ludicrous yeah. that's not journalism it's just making a package it doesn't tell you more about the story if you want to do journalism then send a reporter to Bangalore go and investigate right. investigate and find out what what was happening what what happened the days before do a proper journalist job but this packaging of news where you cheapen actually reduce a person's grief by showing uh, the family these kind of things the family has to view all these things it's really horrible Raman your view on that after that Kanchanda can just respond see respond uh, to this. two things one is uh, the media and uh, Kanchan knows that I've worked with Kanchan oh you have Pioneer. when yes in Pioneer oh. with Vinod Mehta and uh, we had a very uh, you know independent newspaper under him mm. I have changed 16 jobs okay. so far <laughs> okay. uh, in 29 years okay. okay so as Madhu says it begin with the with the Congress but I think uh, in the past three years the kind of pressures that have been coming up on the media is not a you know I mean, you can't fathom it okay. and the last I mean I do not want to name the groups uh, as such but there is a lot of pressure I mean, the time had come I mean, uh, when out of 10 stories, 8 stories were not published. Just two of them were published. Okay, so the, that kind of pressure. That's on freedom. And what about the particular one? The the Gauri Can I just add one very, hmm. very important point? I think that when Gauri Lankesh's murder took place, uh, yes, there were protests outside and in all over the country in different cities and everything. But somebody told me who's a lawyer, she said, you know, something happens to a lawyer. We shut the courts down. Hmm. We really take things over. We do not allow this kind of thing. The, the government gets the message. With us, because the press is so disunited and nobody stands together, 
if everyone stood together and said that we will not take this kind of intimidation and bullying and telling us who to fire and who to hire and, and all that, I think the government would get the message. But when one cows down, then the second one cows down, and then you have one lone paper who's standing up for itself, it becomes a problem. So the lack of unity in the media is a large problem in making, keeping its strength. We've lost our strength because of this chipping away of cowing down to the government. Okay. Um, and the Gauri, the Gauri Lankesh, I mm. think I got a call from you yeah. at 8.39 right. and I was driving at that time. Mm. So you simply said Gauri Lankesh has been shot dead. Mm. Frankly speaking, I mean, as a, it, it, the name did not ring any bell mm. in my mind. I didn't know Gauri Lankesh. Okay. Mm. So my reporter's instinct, why he's talking about Gauri Lankesh. Mm. Okay. So I just went through his, her profile. Okay. And then I started looking at the social media also. See, I reacted as a reporter uh, because I think she had a, a very interesting profile. I mean, if you look at her legacy, uh, the kind of stories she had done, even one-sided stories, I mean, you, you can you can be against those stories, but the kind of profile she had, and then she gets killed. Of course, you are not drawing inference that the killers have to be, you know, hmm. the people that she had been opposing. Of course, you don't know uh, hmm. till the end, uh, you know, who the killers are. So I think it gives you a, an immediate handle to do the stories. Right. Why we went for her stories, why we went over, uh, I mean, I won't say overboard, but we went uh, with multiple Three number stories. of stories. It was a dominant narrative ha, for at least a, a day. Dominant narrative. So, so, so that is how I, I take it. Hmm. Uh, on the issue of the free media. You see, I joined journalism when I was just out of my second year in college and moving into third year. I used to do night shifts and do classes in the morning. This was the Telegraph was launched in 1982. So between then and now, a lot has changed. But some things remain constant. Madhu does make a point when uh, about compromising on ethics. But end of the day, who is to blame for this? Now, we have created, when I say we, I mean journalists, have created a situation where they are happy to be favor seekers. I mean, it's, it's tasteless to go into individual names or examples. But till salaries really opened up, and that was just about a decade ago, hmm. We all know how much each one of us was paid. Sure, I mean, the, when the television boom is what kind of rattled that space a bit before that. Was before that, we, I mean, Madhu knew how much I was getting at the Pioneer when I moved to the De Delhi or at the Statesman. And we knew how much, she, I mean, an approximate idea how much she was getting out of her uh, job. So, If you don't uh, mind, Dada, for uh, the new generation. Well, when I started, my salary was 750 rupees. Right. When I started, I used to get Madhu's leftovers at lunch. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, <laughs> mine was 2000. <laughs> so, so let us let us not get. I mean, but the point which I'm making is that with great effort, most of us were able to put together a house at the end of our lives. But when you look at the personal wealth of several journalists, and much of it has not come from hard work, sheer work, brilliance, excellence, but because you are favor seekers. You took favors from the government of UP to get land in Noida and then Greater Noida. You took favors from the Haryana government to get land in Haryana, from Punjab government to get land in Chandigarh, from Delhi government to get um, DDA flats allotted to you. Hmm. I mean, and that's how it worked. Right. You corrupted yourself. Nobody else corrupted you. N number one. Number two. I agree with that. Uh, number two. It's editors, our fault. Editors 
were not supposed to be people out there up front. Editors were supposed to be sitting in their smoke-filled rooms, hunched over their desk, slogging over some dirty copy, making it readable. They were supposed to be encouraging others to write. They were supposed to come up with ideas and get those ideas executed. So editors then became showboys. They became the poster boys. So if there was a conference, uh, a seminar, the editor rushed over there. I mean, you know, the editor was the guy who was grabbing all the off-sites. And in the process, he became the door opener for the owner. The owner wanted a favor. The editor ensured that the right doors were opened for the owner. I remember the midday editor made and, this point And, and well. this access journalism is all about opening doors. Yes. It's not about getting exclusives. If and lastly, the other point, and you know, this whole thing, Madhu, you, made, you said that if a lawyer is killed, all courts shut down. As recently, I mean, I was a member of IFWJ. I don't know whether you have heard of it, the Indian Federation of Working Journalists. We paid a monthly, uh, I mean, an annual fee and there were, you know, it, it was organized. We were... I was a union member and I think Sandhya Times or one of the papers, not a very, what I mean is it wasn't a very consequential paper, was downsizing or shutting down or something happened. I still remember I had just landed in Delhi that year, that year and we, in the, in the dead of winter, we had a march. There was a strike and we had a march from ITO because all the papers were located over there those days to Parliament Street Police Station. A huge march. That also happened against Rajiv Gandhi's anti-defamation bill. Bill. I mean... And, all and the then, editors were out on the street. So we we chose it. Yeah, we, but we, now... But it's fractured. Also, just one little observation I'd like to make is I remember Dhanya had pointed this out and a lot of time we overlook it. We only see the pressures from the centre, you know, the Congress, the BJP. And then, you know, when I spoke to Jaya is no more, you know, RAP Jaya But she says, in the States, the kind of pressures we face mm. are... Yeah. You don't even face a fraction of that. Because if there's something happened, there'll be headlines, right? So here, she says, for a Tamil paper to do an anti-Jaya story is more ballsy than for a national media to do an anti-Modi story. That's a fact. And, no, no, and, but, and I but remember are, she had... So the I nation... Mean, no, no, you're talking only about... We are all... We end up talking about political pressure. Hmm. There's something called corporate, corporate pressure. Absolutely. No, I'm coming to that exactly. And in way back, I'm talking of 1982, 83... Maybe 83. My friend who was actually, I mean, sort of, he he sort of pushed me, shoved me into this job. Else I would have joined Lipton or something like that. So he did a story, uh, Gwalior Rayon, how industrial effluence from Gwalior Rayon, which went into a river over there, was causing deformities at childbirth. It was in those days, in those early days of NGO activism, it was an NGO story. It was a story possibly based on very thin facts because you didn't have the tools and the resources to test those things those days. Now, Gwalior Rayon told the media house involved that we will cancel all the advertising we have booked for you for this year and blacklist you if you do not disown the story. He was told to publish another story giving Gwalior Rayon's version. He said, I won't do it. And he left. He picked up his bag and left. Mm, wow. and, and a very senior journalist then did that story and it was run. It was published. Later he was asked, but why did you do it? So, and his exact, he's dead. I know, I mean, I can be accused of uh, attributing a quote to somebody who cannot defend himself. But people who were with me in that media house at that point of time, show, if they are honest enough, they will bear me out. At that point of time, he said, a journalist, after all, is a prostitute. And if the owner says, spread your legs, you spread your legs. Mm. 
So you know we can keep on giving yeah, so the, examples. Actually, the corporate angle is what I wanted to. Can tell us about sorry. the journalist who no, did not I mean, write? No, he no, is what dead. Happened? So actually, no, no, this no, happened no, in India person. today also in Tata's. They ran a Radia story. Thing. They ran a story which was crit- critical and exp- an expose on Tata's. They cancelled the advertising for a year. It's major advertising. No, like but back you know, page. you're right about uh, you know the corporate. I was just coming to that. That. While we do spend a lot of time blaming the media, the media gets its funds either from the government or from corporations. And therefore, to expect a spine there when the people who are funding you are completely craven to the media, like I personally know of and Madhu also does, there are many industrialists who let loose like that woman, a government bikiuya, the kind of expletives she uses. They use those expletives for this government. But when they are on W Economic Forum and all that on panels, they are saying, no, he's doing a good job. It's a good budget. They Because in our country, if you say that, if you take a stand like a Google has taken or a Facebook or an Apple has taken the US against the president, let one of them take that stand. By the end of the year, they'll be making losses. So in our country, that is the culture we are from. And therefore, you can't expect media to be this outlier who will be suddenly this hero in a world of human beings. No, no, and the I, I don't p- expect that. But all I'm saying is, that media should stop being sanctimonious. Sure. That puts off people. Absolutely, I completely agree. And the second thing about why this particular Lankesh story got a lot more coverage, which is where I disagree completely with Anand, which is why I asked, I don't know what the table was proving, is that the, you know, as uh, uh, Raman said, certain stories have certain other contexts, whether it is language, whether it is proximity, just like the Chennai floods got 48 hours coverage wall to wall on every channel because the chunk of the English watching TV audience is from the south. Does that mean an Assam flood doesn't matter? I mean, would no I difference. say? I, I'm not saying it's fair or it's great, but it's completely natural, understandable and consistent with every other aspect of our lives, including yours we and mine. can't undermine one. So to say that this is some, you know, this shows something out of the ordinary, which is agenda driven which is what I think is problematic I'm sorry that is what the we table is to, doing we need to also accept something there is quote unquote racism in media if you are people like us absolutely great if you aren't you are people like exactly. them you don't not just in media count. I'm saying that is a, a part and parcel of you and a flood coverage there are two points that you know I'd like the panel to discuss you know one is what Abhinandan has just said the fact remains as I actually in fact you know Raman also did not know much about her same goes yes, here and I, I investigated know. more I found out that okay bless her you know notwithstanding uh, she was a rabid left wing mm-hmm writer, activist, whatever, you know, she had her foster sons as Kanahiya and Umar and, you know, the whole, her activism was this rabid ultra, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, bar, veering on to ultra left. So that, according to me, that is also one of the reasons why the story has got so much traction because the media has a lot of people who are, who sympathize with that point of view. The second point that I want to make is that a lot of headlines that came out were that the journalist who was anti-right-wing, who wrote about a uh, right-wing thing, who got no, you know, very few, I can't think of any who said a left-wing journalist. Whereas if you, th- you know, think of uh, a journalist who is associated with the right, immediately the first headline comes out, a right-wing journal has done this right-wing. The other is another headline came out, journalist who spoke the truth. Now, I'm sorry, it may hurt a few people, but the fact is that she was convicted of telling a lie. Now, those two points should have been also made very clear. A, that she was 
a raging left winger and second that she was convicted for a fake story if i am killed because of my line of thought that's in our story in news laundry right what i'm saying uh-huh. is i'm talking of you know ah no no we the, those details are there see if i am killed because of my, i i adhere to one particular line of thought is wrong na i mean whether it is rightist or leftist but here i mean i i personally as a reporter what i thought what i saw the interesting profile of this person and if i am killed because of what i think i take a particular line no, of no roman we don't know who we don't know why her. she was killed why she was of killed course. and what are the circumstances uh, of her death of course. i mean in the sense that we know that she is murdered but mm. what prompted that yes. murder so it's a crime and the crime needs to be busted absolutely but you know if if we just move slightly away from gauri lankesh the point which anand is making this whole thing about right and left so if you contest you become right if you do not contest you become left and now of course you have this whole idea of group think hmm. so you must subscribe to the group think and if you do not then you are an outcast so that's what antifa is all about i mean you know No. you either but, either but that, that is what that sorry no, that, ahead, this Ramon. is what uh, happening right now i mean people from both the groups have, are coming are persecuting uh, instead of uh, you know what prosecuting are, but that oh, exists are, no but that exists the world uh, no, the point i'm making is you know the people who were saying the, you know insinuating what could be the reasons for uh, for two days they went on now suddenly yesterday evening the brother of uh, the, the deceased she say he gave a naxal naxal and today we see the whole thing you know kind of people uh, pillaring him then saying oh he is compromised he is about to join bjp so you will accept the narrative that you set and a relative comes along and says look this also could be a reason investigate that now people are saying oh is compromised but fair enough but again i i purposely so mean is that no, you know but another purpose to bring that in because people use these to push whatever side they want to push for example on record he's gone on to say that she didn't receive any threats 24 hours later he comes on record to say that the left threat no one second and today his sister uh, gauri's sister comes on and says she received threats from both sides so what i'm saying is Let's not go there because that clearly one will pick up the quote that you want to use to push your agenda, whoever that may Just be. Just to quote him so, in the thing yesterday, he said. since the police has investigated and found out her emails and all that i have come to know i'm just mm. quoting him yeah, yeah. So, so maybe 24 hours before that he, he felt that they were no and 24 hours after that his sister has right. given another so what i'm saying is that is like kanchanda sir we have no clue but one will pick up the quote which suits one's narrative so that's why i would not like to pick up any of these quotes actually that's the reason i didn't go for yesterday's protests mm. and neither did madhu because i personally believe it is highly likely she was killed for her political position it could be very personal reason but it is probable that she was killed for some petty crime i personally know of someone who was father of a friend of my sister's who was a prominent politician in ghaziabad who was killed you know several years ago when we were kids and everyone thought it's a political murder pata chala his driver had killed him cuz he slapped him it was that after all that ghum phir ke so, so by politi- what i'm saying is both left wing and right wing sorry i mean by in political reasons you are including the naxal thing as well yeah yeah any political reason it's highly no, likely see the, the thing is you see this just like madhu made this point about you know all over the world they have stopped showing uh, victims of natural disasters even man made disasters or a road accident or whatever so we should also stop doing that i mean there, there is no reason why we should do that but just like that i think there should be some standards that should now come into play that till such time the police makes an authoritative statement nothing should be reported 
which is nothing which is just kite flying you know look at the way they have finessed the whole thing in the west even when there is an obvious terrorist attack it cannot but be anything but a terrorist attack media will not call it a terrorist attack till the police officially publicly confirms that it is a terrorist attack. but here also no one has conclusively said it no, is one way or the other but this kind of kite flying but dada even there when there have been murders which is in a suspected race crime like for no, example no, when people with turbans and this happens thing, is they just add the word suspected when you create a mahol ki you know it's like no no i get you, what you you're saying you made the point about our societies has certain unique markers you create a mahol ki ye chor hai ye chor no, no, hai ye chor hai saying. finally if the court says ki ye chor nahi hai even then people will say no see this i don't i don't disagree with you on that but what i'm saying is it is not that if someone is killed in an obvious you know environment of a certain let's say racial tension the headline says in suspected race attack they no, use the word see, suspected no, no, even see. in the west i'm just saying so see in in case of a murder every reporter will try to do some kind of reconstruction what he is saying is right uh, to that extent that this kite flying you there is a naxal narrative going on there is a leftist uh, i mean the the rightist might might have killed that narrative is going on so that kite flying is really i mean unfortunate absolutely unfortunate right now if you are reconstructing the murder you need to see you need to visit the place you need to see the where the cctv cameras were there i mean you do a proper yeah, crime story you know, all i'm saying is that that i mean that's a natural thing that happens the world over nah. it's, there's not Plus, unique I mean, to I mean, that what happened How? you talked about yesterday press council that you didn't go it was for a variety of reasons club, sorry for a variety yeah. of reasons it was hijacked so, by there was a lot of politicians who were feeding into this very narrative well honestly i mean one couldn't even control it if you know one had gone if someone came on stage what would you really do but yeah, but, but the point is no i think i am not against such protests it was there's a journalist who was killed yes i will not agree the politicians joining that those, is all i'm uh, saying that i want use it as but a yes journalist if journalists are gathering and they are uh, protesting against it i will I'm no absolutely for, i think one should my only concern was that it was almost i think it's dangerous and uh, i completely identify myself as a liberal hmm. and in some cases even a left liberal so i'm completely with on board on on the bigger issue hmm. my only concern is one weakens one's own case when one kind of takes part in something which has already pinned blame on somebody it may come out wrong yeah. in which case future cases which are obvious yeah. political killings will also be tumne to tab bhi bola tha mm-hmm. that is if it had been structured differently like you said the journalist mm-hmm. has been killed huh. we need to protest yes. fine out but because it had no, been we, kind we, of uh-huh. the loudest voices in that were uh-huh. had already committed to who's killed so it. we journalists working as a pressure group that uh, becomes uh-huh. dangerous no, but to, to, to even that is fine i don't mind you know here i disagree little with dada in the sense that you know uh, i actually don't mind journalists putting their point of view even though they might be horrendously biased that's fine but if you at the end of the day they are journalists if they are very close to a fellow journalist who's been shot or killed it is only natural for them mm. to feel angry or whatever but you can't have a demonstration press demonstration which is absolutely required i would say and then have uh, you know d raja kanaiya mm. shela you know all these politicians mm. coming and saying because that is what they feeding into this narrative right. although and kanaiya then the other people a... who are confused that look why are these politicians but kanaiya here? had a personal rapport with her which was very close so i'd th- i'd say just because he has been a student leader i wouldn't buy him but yes i agree with you on the rest so mm. now madhu i think yachuri was also so there. should we just move on to the next before uh, i just have a quick email 
which has taken me to task to read before after that everyone keep your views ready on raghuram rajan and his recent interview and his views on demonetization we'll do a quick one because we've done that very often but i i'm just i'm just curious that why does his saying add more weight than what a lot of others have been saying earlier so this mail is actually specifically to me because obviously the position i took in a hafta two three haftas ago i think anand has not gone down well with this lady anagha anagha says hello abhinandan sekri this mail is in regard to the last couple of nl haftas where you talked about your view on arangetram it's just a minor point she says no need to read it out loud but i must because i think you've very eloquently put it out so we should know why you think i'm wrong and i may as well i might just be you know what arangetram is dada no Arangetram is I was of the view only Brahmins did it I still I'm quite certain only Brahmins do although Araga has a different point of view it's a coming of age a brahmin boy a tamil brahmin like my nephew and niece and all they had it he he gets a janeu ceremony where i have to carry him on my shoulders the mama has to and i almost died because <laughs> he was taller than me when he got his janeu uh, and the girl does an arangetram because she's learned a classical dance form or some music and you know tambrams kind of do that and when she performs a public performance it happens at the delhi tamil sangam or something it's called an arangetram i said it i find it extremely offensive both the exercises because they underline caste you know stamp in a very oppressive and horrible system so arga has taken exception to what i said she says being a student of bharatnatyam and having had an arangetram myself i found your association of arangetram with an upper caste symbol to be quite unsettling it might appear to be a tamil brahmin thing but it's quite the contrary in the pre colonial era bharatnatyam called dasi attam or sadir was performed only by devadasis down south most of these women were brought to the temple either as an offering kidnapped or sold by their own guardians some women did become a part of this tradition by their own volition typically these women became the collective property of the village there was no period in time when these devadasis considered auspicious and holy though in due course their status deteriorated to an element of entertaining to the for the wealthy ending up in prostitution bharatnatyam ended up being associated with the stigma of devadasi and considered a low vulgar art form why even about around 20 years ago a tamil female acquaintance boasted to me a 10 year old child back then how her child was learning carnatic music instead of the cheap dance form though i did not understand the severity of the meaning then i do now social reform in the devadasi tradition began in the colonial era with thinkers such as raja ramohan roy carve and periyar condemning this practice indian government itself had passed the devadasi abolition bill unfortunately by product of the social reform was an almost complete eradication of the dance form itself the current status of bharatnatyam including the name has gained today in the legacy of the stalwart rukmani devi arundale of kalakshetra fame born in a tamil brahmin family and married to a catholic her effort in conjunction with those of e krishna ayer were instrumental in the revival of bharatnatyam as temple art she had to reinvent the aesthetics redesign the costumes create new pal- palatable dance dramas so as to make it globally acceptable only after the revival did the dance spread in the so called tamil brahmin else it was always associated with the devadasi way of living with the recent globalization bharatnatyam has become accessible to everyone in respect of caste language or community pune from where i come boasts of some of the best bharatnatyam dancers who are neither tamil nor brahmin though i am not really sure of their caste have not asked them but definitely not tamil brahmin i am sure that you agree that it is a beautiful art form and just like every other it needs appreciation to survive it does take a lot of perseverance and arangetram just acts as a stage to show that perseverance don't we all go to our nieces and nephews annual social gatherings in school arangetram is just the same but with fewer people well i would say to bharat natyam 100 years to go from oh shit to oh wow would it not be good to appreciate it and keep it alive for at least another 100 more ps i love nl hafta it's very interesting to listen to the different ideas and viewpoints i find the discussions very well structured it helps me think about my own thoughts hoping for more anaga thank you anaga though i still think 
I'm right about it being an identifier for Brahmins uh, because if it was even practiced in the temples by Devdasis in the south people of a certain caste were not allowed into temples and there's some temples today that even continue to do that so but I happy to be corrected um, I'm sorry I didn't mean to say that this dance form should be condemned I just think the practice of Janeu and Arangetram is problematic your views on that dada then madhu please tell us your views on this or and demonetization i don't see how she's tied up the dance form as that bit being the only way it will survive it's not the Arangetram. only way it will survive hmm. uh, there are many other ways it can be taught in schools it can be and it is taught in schools uh, bharatnatyam is taught in many many schools uh, i studied bharatnatyam in wellam okay so to s- i agree that it shouldn't die but i don't think the connection is there that it has to go become like a coming of age thing also i do object to this that the boys give daan and get lot of good karma and the boy and the girls have to dance their way to heaven that i do not agree with i don't feel good about that so i think uh, i agree with uh, with abhinandan for a change <laughs> yeah for a change after a long time yeah <laughs> that i i would not encourage this practice at all as a coming of age process i would if you want to teach your kid to dance by all means but i don't think and also i object to being invited to these things where i have to sit and watch the same it's like watching aerobics you know the dance moves you know the steps you know the music it's just <laughs> watching an aerobics class so unless you're inviting us to something which is creative and new please don't send us send us invitations which are pretending to be bharatanatyam but are just aerobic classes okay have you heard everyone don't invite me dada look i mean if it's just tradition that we are talking about and if the tradition is limited to family and community it's pretty innocuous i i don't know i mean nobody ever invites me to such things so i i i, I have get not get a bank had... manager's daughter who's but are there any such i clear ceremonies that are still practiced in bengal which only our no, no, community no 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 but i, I but you see this uh, whole thing of a, of a thread ceremony which many brahmin families still continue with and strangely i mean there's this notion that a woman is free of caste so a woman does not need to hmm. undergo the ceremony but a man needs to you disagree with it but if it is not causing harm physical harm no, but isn't it causing harm it is reinforcing a primitive mindset with of being twice born not of being twice pounded this is who we are especially when the history of brahmanism especially in south before periyar you know flexed his muscle is a deeply oppressive and troubling one in that context yeah, and in so that in background tamil nadu you got rid of the tambrams and you created a different hierarchy no so i'm not saying it's a good or bad thing but the janeo ceremony is a reminder that that's who we are isn't that problematic if they want to remember who they are i mean if it's a question of just being different as i said so long as it is not causing uh, larger harm and if it is not being used mm. as an instrument of very visible oppression really i mean it's an innocuous thing can i raise another question mm. related to this which is on sociological and cultural habits i want to ask all of you how many customs is it that you still practice because it's been ingrained in you for example today i went to a funeral i could have come straight here 
to the office. But I could not come. You After a funeral, you have to go straight home, not to anybody else's home or office because it's a bad so I had to go home and take a shower it was and I was questioning like you know 90% of the people who had come from work would be going back to work they couldn't take the luxury of going back home and having a shower other things like other customs like do all of you follow such customs today for example like when there's a dolly uh, the custom is that you don't start the car the dolly has to be pushed out by the girl's side to show that nobody's taking her away. She's going with consent. So it's a symbolic thing that don't start the car, we'll push the car out. Small things like that, that there are certain things that we follow as we've been brought up. And um, do you, I, I would raise the question to all of you, are you as influenced as I am? No, at individual level, I mean, I don't uh, follow customs anymore. But when it comes to the family function, say my sister is getting married, then I will have to be following, you know, whatever my family says. But as a, at an individual level, no. no. For example, in my a younger daughter's wedding ceremony I had the whole thing it is the Arya Samaji ceremony in fact is not written anywhere hmm. so I asked the Pandit to translate it and he just gave me a description I said no I want a word to word translation he said Wo nahi likhi hui. Hmm. so I said Phir, he says, Wo to, aap bolo, I say, aap bolo, record he says, Wo to ladki, ladka baithe, tab se hai. So then we, <laughs> he went to the next wedding that he was doing and recorded his whole ceremony. After which I, he translated it to Hindi and then I translated it to English, which is possibly one of the rare documented Arya Samaji ceremonies throughout. Mm-hmm. In that ceremony, there is a, in the beginning, there is Kanyadan where the parents of the girl take the girl's hand and hand it to the boy. Mm-hmm. We ha- And the translation is that we have brought her up with our values and this and that. Now she is ro- your responsibility. My daughter objected to it. She said, take out the kanyadan because I'm nobody's property ah. to be given or taken. Right. So I said, fine, because Arya Samaji religion came into being as a reformation, a reforming the Sanatans, Sanatani right. religion. Right. So we took it out. Good. So would you? Do you follow any such practices that you don't believe but don't question either? <laughs> I can tell you about a Brahmo Samaji wedding. It's a it's a very boring affair and nothing hmm. very exciting happens. The Bengali thing they do. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's like an Arya Samaji thing, but okay. uh, it's it's far more boring and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Even more. <laughs> so, not for the girls. And and uh, they wear little crowns. But you know, there's a story for every. Hide their faces re- behind tradition leaves. Tradition ritual. It's very nice. uh, why this whole thing of kanyadan? You can have a very patriarchal construct to it that you are giving away property. The alternative nar- narrative for that is that if I am, if somebody is marrying my daughter, I would want that person publicly acknowledge that he is going to treat her as well as that is I in the rest of the ceremony no no i'm just saying mm. so maybe the giving away is what is cancelled yeah that i'm handing over something which i held dear in my life to you now it's in your safekeeping it's a plausible explanation not that i agree to it now this whole thing about if you go for a funeral, you come back and have a bath. Why Why did it happen? I mean, every, no tradition, no ritual grows or comes about in a vacuum. 
people earlier died of various diseases mm-hmm. absolutely so you went you, were, you, you came carrier, in close proximity you became a carrier the shamshan wasn't exactly the sterilized place yeah even now place. today in the crematoriums very often the ash flows on it lands in my it lands very on your often head. i have yeah, so eyelashes when i'm at a cremation so these are things so i mean i really i mean i don't think it's of much concern as such but if if you really want to <coughs> strike a tradition and i think those traditions are diluting very rapidly like when you when widows were forbidden to eat non vegetarian food or when you sort of every household had an aunt who was widowed at a very young age and you sort of she became a burden for everybody so those things have diluted over a period of time many more women are remarrying today after you know for whatever reason uh, than they did even 10 years or 15 years or 20 years ago i will just end with a small anecdote that when we were children like you know 8 9 10 years old in most bengali homes chicken eggs were not allowed you could eat duck eggs you could eat turtle eggs or whatever but you could not eat chicken eggs why uh, because the chicken was malech was what uh, malech i mean the foreigner ate chicken so you don't oh. eat chicken okay it was not indigenous to your food hmm and rare was the bengali household where they actually had a had an omelet in the morning or a boiled egg in the morning i mean you didn't hmm. so but that has changed so you know stuff happens and you move on and gradually erosion happens and then integration happens the fact which you mentioned about temple entry for instance very few people remember today that uh, one of the biggest sects of hinduism refused to open its doors when the uh, temple entry act was brought about uh, they refused to open their doors to harijans as they were called then mm-hmm. and uh, they said and to avoid the act they declared themselves as a different faith So mm. they said that Hindu temples are open but we ain't Hindu uh, we are we aren't Hindus mm. so but today the swaminarayan sect globally is seen as uh, the most shining uh, representation of hindu reform. dharma and hindu hinduism i don't know about reform but, uh, no, but okay. cons- considering the status of women in our country so the patriarchal uh, construct is very important you know uh, associated with these customs so so, so when she, you are saying that uh, your daughter refused it i can understand that and she is looking at looking at it at, uh, in a larger context and the rest context. of the ceremony is extremely progressive ha huh. extremely progressive in the sense that in the sanatani wedding ceremony the girl has to promise she will not eat before her husband mm-hmm. in the arya samaj ceremony the man has to promise that he will not eat, eat without his wife right. that she must sit and eat with him in in, in, a, in a brahmo samaj wedding nothing like this is discussed <laughs> and sadly there isn't any food at food the end of the <laughs> wedding either anand, <laughs> not at the wedding It this is through the rest long. of their lives anand your view yeah no well i mean i'll just say that you know according to me conservatism or tradition you know keeping to tradition just my purely personal view runs antithetical to the theory of evolution and diversity that i talked about and uh, but with age i have uh, i'm a you know as you know abhinandan a goody goody kind of guy hmm. but with age i have come to you know less and less not worry about pissing people off so just to give you an example uh, you know i'd um, i had wanted uh, you worry less about it yes worry yeah, less about it yeah that comes with age you, you really don't care anymore yeah so you know so i i wanted a, a court marriage 
but then uh, you know i i feared uh, i mean of course the relatives said nahi 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 simple shaadi karenge lekin according to the hindu uh, this thing i didn't want to piss people off but and of course the other thing was i i don't you know know the sanskrit but i love the recitation of the the shlokas mm. so it was a pleasant ceremony until the point that the pandit ji uh, you know said to my in-laws ki uh, ab ye tumhare liye vishnu bhagwan hai inke pair chhuo now i found it very unsettling and i to di- till this day i mean i joke about it but i find it very unsettling that 60 year old people are touching your feet i have never feet. seen that in a ceremony yeah. and uh, so i you know now if i were to uh, you know revisit that re- i i would obviously you know tell i have to uh, say that the arismaji wedding ceremony the vows and the advice given to the couple if we actually listened to it and understood it while we were taking those vows there'd be fewer marriages broken it is exemplary the kind of advice but it, it is, is still problematic is at some levels broken, madhu. Madhu. but I mean, there the are, wow. i mean it is still problematic about leading you know no the, ha- no 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 half the guy yeah. leads half the girl half leads. the girl did but just the whole so concept British of and certain and, uh, hierarchies i mean and the best part about it is i find my favorite part is that the boy and the girl are told to look at the arundhati and vishesh stars and then they vow that to the naked eye the to the naked human eye the stars look as one we will appear as one to the world but we will maintain our individualities like those two stars but madhu some of the symbolism like the you know the the bride after the marriage throws chawal piche hmm. right that significance is very unsettling what for me what does it mean it means ki ab jitna maine aapka khaya tha abhi tak ye wapas de rahi hu oh gosh i should go back and pick up that rice so you know i had no idea just, i was uh, doing that hmm. chalo ho gaya ab you know it as dada was saying it did not trouble the neighbors or whatever but it troubles oh, she, me to this day you know i'd rather have go to the court haan. and sign karke chalo yaar you know so the girl grew under the shadow of her father yeah. and now we are handing over her to her yeah, husband so she is going to yeah, go I think so that's the, the, the sense problem. you get okay i want to quickly move just, on just to a quick, just a very quick point my mm. mother died 2 years ago and uh, i went down to calcutta for her cremation and unlike here where you don't cremate after sunset and there you can cremate 24/7 mm. so i reached late we took her to the ghat and uh, this guy looked at me and said acha you are an nri so we don't have to do rituals i said no i am not an nri hmm. i mean what makes you think he said no you are so big and fat and you are wearing strange <laughs> clothes hmm. uh, the point which i'm making is that expectations of you which were very high earlier have also been scaled down hmm. i mean you are not really expected anymore like anand says that he was expected to do something hmm. so today you wouldn't expect somebody you wouldn't else expect to someone to shave their head when yeah, their father so, dies so okay. it doesn't happen yeah, but now the expectations have changed for a provocative note you expect to stand up for the national anthem and chant bharat mata ki jai or be beaten up that i agree with <laughs> by me you'll be beaten up by me we are in a minority here i will beat you all the time in the cinema when that was here last time whenever i hear the national anthem i stand no no sure Absolutely. I can't force you to stand but I It's stand. because this generation never had to fight for it. It was illegal to say <laughs> to to play and sing the national anthem. Our ancestors fought for it and to show that disrespect I think is unforgivable. And I think but why I would like to turn this around at the, the cinema hall. That's no, the I don't understand no, no, to make that, it to make it compulsory. In fact, could be anywhere. If you You no, haven't. Anyway, here, 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 I will say Madhu. Then, जो पूरा भाव है ना स्वतंत्रता का, you are missing that. You did not fight for the national anthem. You fought for liberty. And if you are saying that national anthem is the only thing one fought for, 
No, Abhimandan, that signified liberty you, and liberty. Here, 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 here. The have symbolism the of the national anthem was. The, national anthem. the symbolism. Have you read all the six stanzas of the national anthem? I have obviously, but I, I don't remember, remember them. And I was on it. Yeah, yeah, because you, you were supposed to. Hmm. You read it or you listen to its rendition. Nothing stands for liberty, for freedom, for but that's human dignity. That's what I'm dignity, talking about, Dada. More than but the country's national anthem. All the more reason it should not be forced down my throat. No, it, it defeats the purpose. No, I mean, it's like this: that when something has been made illegal, that you cannot play it, you cannot sing it, and you fight hard for for that to become your national anthem, anthem, which means that people who fought for it, it meant. everything it meant the freedom to to sing it mm-hmm. now when we have the freedom to sing it i think because those our ancestors fought so hard for it i think they they are due that respect to stand that we stand no i think it, it defeats the no it won't kill us but it will kill liberty the fact that you are forcing someone to do something because i fought for it a i think is extremely self indulgent every generation deals with their own uh, you know uh, demons to assume that i didn't fight one my ancestors but did. whichever to, to assume that that generation had some you know issues that we face other problems and possibly bigger ones than they did and in all fairness if the generations above of indians above me were all that rocking we wouldn't have the craven society we do now the fact that we have such a craven society now is a legacy handed to us by people who would obey and i come from a family that has obeyed I have come from a family where there are people who attended RSS and they would do whatever those kachhawalas told them to do. And I come from a family with so in which case how can you say that not standing for national is disrespect to anyone? It is. No, but it is respect second, to liberty. What does the national and anthem? What what does respect showing respect to the national anthem or to stand up when it is being sung have to do with? Uh, what you referred to as the kachawalas of the no no I'm saying it is, freedom. it is what is no, it got uh, to do with freedom what I'm saying is they a generation that one agreed हम कांग्रेसी हैं हम आरएसएस वाले हैं there was I'm no, saying there was no questioning no no but that is liberty what I'm saying is that when something is prescribed if you are forcing it down my throat that defeats the very purpose of liberty you have a liberty. passport forced down your throat i don't believe in passports but i have to use it so if i want to go out i will yeah but that's the point that that's against freedom actually that everyone no, is not. identified everyone is stamped no, so if i don't want to that's a no, procedure if i don't want to it's a procedure it's, it's a procedure, not procedure. Procedure. But it's not a, at all it's a forced thing isn't it no, no, it's no, not forced you don't if you're totally no, free you could just walk in wherever you liked no it's those countries forced. don't want us It, they i have to well, it's like a driving license you can't drive without a license yeah i i can't drive. exactly so if i don't this i don't drive so your freedom is curtailed you do have to have a driver's yeah, license yeah but that's not the same thing I, you're no, saying but that i think i think you are getting it all wrong <laughs> uh, you are perfectly at liberty to not to stand when the national anthem is being sung i'm at liberty to beat you up for it okay no. but i yes. have i have the liberty <laughs> just as you have the liberty to not do it i have the liberty to interpret your not doing it as disrespect to the national anthem no, to the nation and the and what the, the nation of sedition stands dada that's dada, fine you have the that's liberty fine. to say kolkata is the capital of india i don't make it so the <laughs> point is what you know, if I, mean, i can if i can just you see you could here. you could you could keep we could keep on discussing up. this uh, we could keep on discussing this you're and we could keep up. on discussing this you're without coming up. to a conclusion sure absolutely but i don't think i mean going back to where we began i don't think 
the national anthem is has anything to do with what we were discussing sure it is nothing to do with tradition or ritual the national anthem is a very sacred uh, representative element of the nation and we should all respect it 15th august i'll do it 26th august at uh, 26th of january i'll Are do it i have done it all my life but and if you expect me to stand up in a cinema hall dude you got but when you start coming. using it as an instrument of you know thrusting nationalism down your throat mm-hmm. then i oppose you know i i'm always then blown away understand. whenever i go to a cinema i'm blown away that i'm the only one sitting we are a nation of sheep i'm sorry is my choice everyone i'm not a sheep no, no, i'm not saying you are i'm saying everyone there must be i'm not saying everyone has to feel like you madhu at the same time i'm just surprised there's so many people who are not, who are who don't like this but other than anand who have seen sitting through it when we went together i see everyone standing and the only time one person actually well, said something was maybe they believe in standing up like i do maybe they don't but that's what i'm saying there is a lot of people that. who don't no, no, i can't i can't show nationalists only if you but i would no, stand for that. the national anthem i feel like standing up uh-huh. and i like some other people i'm yeah, yeah, able to stand on my own if i'm physically incapacitated to stand perhaps i won't but even then i would make an attempt because i feel there is an emotional connect between me as an indian and the national anthem of india hmm. and it it is that emotional connect which makes me do it it is nothing about nationalism it's nothing about uh, some great ideals it's it's simple as simple as that fair enough anand you have something to say before no, i move just, on yeah very briefly i i agree with dada dada and i have had uh, a twitter quote and quotes spat over this couple of years ago and madhu and i have but dada and everyone and madhu complete liberty to stand for the national anthem and abhinandan oh, thank you complete liberty to not stand for it but these things are separate things nobody can tell me look you have to stand for it that's all i'm saying hmm. so sure. i i actually love when people you know I, i disagree with abhinandan and madhu corrected you when you said that people are sheep who stand up no maybe majority of them are probably you know ah. very uh, in, inspired by it and they stand up because they love the national anthem which is perfectly all right i'm just saying that i should not be forced to stand for yeah. it yeah and i have That's the freedom all. that if i see you in a movie hall and you're sitting <laughs> you'll take your chappal out you up. yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> okay now coming to mr raghuram rajan's interview he recently has you know his book is launching so ab kyu bol raha pehle jab tha yahan tab kyu nahi bola do saal tak koi bol sakte wo to aap but that is that is bekar ki baat hai aisa koi rule nahi hai but that is but i think record batate hain kanchan aise nahi abhi bol tab bolna tha but that's what it is that is but see that is one thing that i find you know anyone who leaves a position that now he's talking even now he's not saying much yeah and i'm not and exactly he's it's very measured No yeah. not mad it's very he's measured very i think he's it's just careful it's careful uh-huh. yeah he's just i think it's he's saying what is appropriate you know that, that but the whole thing of him saying this and this whole demonetization thing started and prime minister modi the other day on a speech at a speech said that i have the guts to take you know strong decisions of course what those decisions lead to is irrelevant but that entire i'm the macho man narrative is what has got him where he is that sticks and he's managed to carry that longer than anybody else you know at least in my living memory but what makes raghuram rajan saying this so important like i i'm just curious like suddenly it, the whole thing restarted he's the uh, new amartya sen <laughs> <laughs> okay um, somebody you you know we we it's just this idea that there has to be somebody who's there to constantly needle the government hmm 
I, I mean no offense to him. I mean, I, uh, I don't know him. I have never met him in my life. And uh, I, I really wouldn't want to comment adversely on him. But if you look at the list of people we have had as RBI governors, hmm. it's a long list. People come, people go. And this whole idea that if you are there somewhere, uh, you should be there forever or the government must come crawling to you, whichever government hmm. uh, must come crawling to you to stay on, uh, it rankles with me. I mean, you, you were there for a three-year term, your term got over, you moved on. Uh, be happy with it. Right. Um, any well, view- I say a lot of stuff which has appeared in the last few days, it's to promote his book. Hmm. And, and uh, uh, there was a time when books were published and the author would rarely be seen or rarely be heard of. And uh, there were very big minds who wrote reviews of the books. And that's how a book got promoted or demoted. It was never, the author never came into play. The author never went around saying, these are the reasons why you should buy my book or read my book. Yeah, but, but that has changed and it's a pity that even Raghuram Rajan has no, to No, but I think it. that's inevitable, Dada, with technology, with the visual medium becoming the predominant that's, medium. That's not entirely his book in the sense that they're his past articles. So yeah, it's okay. a collection of his right. articles. It's not, you know, it's like Karan Thapar has written a book like that. His, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, Sunday yeah, sentiments yeah. Ko collect karke. So Chitambaram has written a book. 48 years of journalism, you combine <laughs> everything that you wrote, you got a book. Well, yes. You five books. Yes. You should. Yes. You should, exactly. Actually, you should, honestly. But to come, if I can add. For me, history is history. I huh. want to live today. You are as good as you were last time. Yeah, I can't go uh, on. But, you know, on Raghuram Rajan, I, becoming an I, I, I used to like the guy very much. I still like the guy. He's tempered, he's measured, he's cool, calm, collected. I like him much more than... Arvind Subramaniam, whom I find a little bit Janus-faced. But again, the problem, and I've you know beaten this argument to death, so I'll just take 30 seconds. You see, the problem with all these economists is that they do not mention the social devastation. They do not include that in there. So even when Raghuram Rajan is criticizing demonetization, he's criticizing it on the basis of economic reasons. Hmm. Now, you know, you can do that, but the biggest criticism of demon, demon, according to me, is the devastation caused on the social side. Yeah, but so uh, he mean, will not do that because he is on that level, think, the penthouse even, level, where you know he's. But even he's the numbers of the, demonetization. Sorry. Even the numbers that have come out on demonetization. Yeah. Show that it's not been a. No, success. that's what yeah, I'm course, saying. That he's only attacking it because of that, not because of the, the other social devastation. Right. No, for example, yesterday he says that even the digitization. Is a blip. Is a blip, and so, it, it might. No, but I think. Um, I, I I think this I one. Think had, he was this, a blip. This actually. one had tweeted, um, uh, Mr. Shekhar Gupta, that they should leave. De- uh, you know, I think economics to it's a science, ah, and others shouldn't. Uh, I mean, first of all, that's not true, uh, yeah, and uh, and that, true. Th- th- there have been realms written on that, reams written on that. Sorry, and there have been. Um, so I mean, I just find that surprising that even today, something that has a lot to do with behavior. Uh, would be like it's a it's no, a nothing, yeah they've been lot in fact Keynes you know he wrote a beautiful piece it came in the Economist about what Keynes said hundred years ago he said what who is a good economist and I think everyone should read that uh, you know piece on uh, in Economist and he says exactly what you say I mean not only behavioral how do you say it Beha- behavioral behavioral yeah. uh, whatever economics but society cannot be. Uh, uh, you know, completely removed 
from the effects of economic study. And I think the more and more mathematical you get into it, you get sucked into this, you know, GDP figures is 5.7%. Chalo, now it is 5%. Agle quarter mein hum 6% kar denge. In that 1%, and you lose 1 lakh crore rupees. Not only that, you lose, uh, you know, millions of people come on the streets. Uh-huh. Poverty. But so, actually, it's not just that. Know. It's like there's so many unquantifiables, although, uh, the, you know, to be a little provocative, Anna, and this goes against your other hypothesis where you can prove intolerance by number of deaths. In a data set. No, no, no. That's yeah, totally different. No, yeah, it's not. I made a vow. <laughs> to I made a vow to not discuss. <laughs> to not discuss <laughs> that. Saying, in economics, there are so many unquantifiables. You know, don't fall for uh, it. Local cultures, local cultures, buying habits, Indians. What are the saving habits yeah, like? What is the political climate? There are all these, and then one says, then therefore X has had or had not had this. And even today, there are still fighting in America, you know, whether the uh, post Lehman, whether the entire government spending, whether it's worked, whether it's not worked, you can keep fighting till the end because you cannot prove that through data simply. So, see, in two years ago, so, when so the stock market was at 20,000, there was a collapse of 1,000 points in one day. You know, there were articles written, oh my God, Modi, economy, where is it going? What's going on? Today is 31,000. Now, nobody's writing articles, oh my God, 40% increase in stock market in one year. Now they're saying, oh, the reasons are different. You know, it's not really the economy is doing well. It's like we are getting uh, FI, whatever it may be. Hmm. What I'm saying is these are fluctuations that happen in a course of a nation's progress. Yeah, so, you know, anyways. just to, just so to anyways, say so the nation was, is down in the dumps. At needling, Anand that's saying that unquantifiable is our News attempt. has just come in. Hmm. Uh, Bihar-based journalist Pankaj Mishra working for Rashtri Sahara newspaper shot by two bike-borne oh persons. Oh my God. Condition Today? is critical. Right yeah, now? Just now. Oh oh, who does he work for? Rashtri Sahara. Okay. What so, does that mean? It just... I mean, UP had so many... Uh, Amit had gone and done a story. I remember in UP, uh, the number of murders, many of them weren't even reported. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, uh, hopefully we can do a piece on this, Raman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, moving on to the Rohingya crisis. Um, I would just like to start off this debate, little provocative, Dada, if you'll allow me, is that I saw GVL Narsimha Rao, the BJP spokesperson, say on television yesterday that the guy who has a permanent frown on his face yeah. same guy but that's I think true for all spokespersons because it is the worst job in the world because you got to go out there and defend everything <laughs> I mean my favourite is that one what's her name uh, N- Nupur Nupur Sharma he, she stopped coming I think she's oh, too shrilly I BGT. think she's the best comedy on television so no but he said that this community is a national threat exact words he didn't say some among them or this is a potentially a situation we have to that was the sentence and spokespersons are supposed to communicate policy and or thought this and no one even blinked it just carried on as if that's a normal thing to say I'm just saying of course Dada go ahead Uh, what do you think is is policy wise and I think Mr. Narasimha Rao GVL Narasimha Rao made a very poor articulation of a very serious concern. And this serious concern is not of uh, post-2014 vintage. It has been there for about seven, eight years now. And occasional stories have come out about what the concern is. Now, let us sort of, you know, try to look at the whole problem of Rohingya 
refugees from two perspectives one why do you have a problem b how do you deal with the problem why you have the problem is something which goes back well in time the rakhine state the, 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 their demands their historical demands their refusal to accept uh, the majority uh, the, the religious majority of the burmese state as an identity so all that it's 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 you know and there was some some amount of british play in it if i may ask where are they originally from because you know they said they've been stateless for generations so no for generations because what's the origin the rohingyas come from anywhere between bangladesh and the rakhine state you you have and no and they are different from the other bangladeshi muslims in yes, what way yes okay. they they culturally different okay. they're their attitudinally are they, are they different are sunni sunni they are sunni okay they are attitudinally different and uh, i just ask you one question yeah. are they um, converted from hinduism i mean i, I really I, i really wouldn't know of that but they are attitudinally different now we don't really want to go back too much in time but even today there is a conflict between rohingya and the burmese state and recently you had the rohingya attacking the burmese army which led to a counter attack now i am not going i am not suggesting that it's an action reaction or reaction action it's a chicken and egg story hmm. which came first so there is a problem there is a problem of integration there is a problem of acceptance from both sides in burma and i do not use the word myanmar i do not call that country myanmar so i will continue to call it burma so the can burma you is, explain that why no it's 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 just like i i believe that india doesn't have a border with china india has a border with tibet hmm. so right rohingyas need to also contemplate as to why is there this exclusion they are dirt poor now despite being dirt poor their aggression is manifold the aggression of the salafis of say oil rich saudi arabia they are a security threat because they carry a certain ideological view of islam and when i say they i obviously don't mean every man woman and child sure so that's why i said mr gvl narasimha rao's articulation was wrong but the fact is that there is a security concern in india as much as there is a security concern in bangladesh as much as there is a security concern in burma and this is why and I, and i have no hesitation and and i say this without any uh, ill will towards rohingya as a community but this is why no muslim nation opens its doors to them either now if such is the great concern why doesn't pakistan accept the rohingya Okay, as, can yeah, I can I, I come in? I mean, if you are if you are referring to the Al Jazeera chart, the Al Jazeera chart goes back to 1970, and it talks of migration since 1970, and those migrants may have come in Bangladesh, then East Pakistanis. Right. It may have been East uh, Bihari Muslims from East Pakistan. We don't know. Fair enough. So um Anand go ahead Yeah no I was uh, dada interrupted me and <laughs> I was about to refer Talk to that chart but channel. anyway leaving that uh, uh just couple of things so, I like sorry, to say So sorry so for that reason you think it is uh, not in no, our national no, interest no, to accept at, to give them refugee status No no look status. at it this way I mean why is it that they 
there have been various reports. Now, you can always say, oh, those are intelligence reports. I don't know. Really. But people killed in Kashmir, some of them have been, or at least going by published reports in the public domain, at least two or three of them were identified as Rohingya. Hmm. Now, you, they have made their way up to Jammu. And again, according to what the Tribune reported, that a bunch has even been able to acquire permanent residency papers. Why? No, I guess why so is it why is it that the Hezbollah Mujahideen chief, what's his name, the current chap, he issued a statement yesterday, referring to them as our Mujahideen brothers. Hmm. No, we, we and and honestly, so, but, 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 and honestly, but, Abhinandan, hmm. we have hazar problems of our own, and we don't want to get into another country's internal dispute. We we just don't need to. Yeah, uh, Anand, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, very quickly. So I think what GVL Narsimha Rao, the, the man with the permanent frown on his face, mm. Dada is right, he didn't articulate it. But even if, had he did, I don't know how to mm. phrase that sentence, come out all wrong. I'm t- irony, I'm talking about GVL Narsimha Rao, not able to articulate. But the point is, he fed into this hugely politicized matter, which the Congress is also increasingly politicizing more. I mean, Shashi Tharoor, for example, clearly insinuated Islamophobia when he says, why are we throwing the Rohingyas out? Is it because they are Muslim? Now, the point is, Dada, as you know, there are right now 14,000 refugees from Afghanistan. And Hmm. in fact, India has increased the quota. Hmm. Majority of them are Muslim. Some are Sikhs and, you know, some are... But So it's not to do with Muslim. It may be to do with the security concerns and the influx being so much, if there were 500 Rohingya refugees, you know, it's different from being 40,000, especially in a porous border. You know, it's not like America or Canada where you tightly regulate. But my take is I differ from Dada in that respect, that I firmly believe in Vasudeva Kutumbukam. India should not refuse any refugee. But I brought out a chart and the chart was, if you look at the GDP per capita of India, it is $1,700. It has taken in 40,000 refugees, right? Uh, There are 635 million Indians who live on 32 rupees a day. We have probably millions of people, Indians, who are poorer than the refugees that we take. Uh, Whereas the countries like Qatar, Saudi Arabia... Yeah, we discussed this last time. So unless we have camps that are set up in India that are totally financed by richer countries. No, 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 no. that is is not possible. India is not a signatory to the uh, refugee convention. And there is very good reason why we are not. Because as integral to our foreign policy is that we don't want to get involved or become a partisan player. In another country's internal... It's a carryover from that whole non-aligned, non-partisan thing. No, 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 it is is, is there. Number two, you see, refugees, when refugees become, when refugees become a security concern, the government of India has always been very tough. Now, he mentioned Afghan refugees. Uh, We have also sheltered political refugees from Bangladesh, uh, from Tibet. And the condition that was very strictly imposed, for instance, on the Tibetan refugees, including the Dalai Lama, that they shall not make any political statement or indulge in politics from the soil of India. That is why you will never hear the Dalai Lama or his people 
I mean, you have the Tibetan Youth Congress mm. picketing, but not his but office. Not so his speak. office or the government in exile issuing any political statement out of India. No. So that is one part of it. Hmm. Second is now I maybe Madhu remembers better than me, uh, but there was a time when we had a large number of Iranian exiles living in India during the Shah's time. Hmm. Now we had Mrs. Indira Gandhi had excellent relations with the Shah, but despite that, Iranian dissenters, dissidents who were not well disposed towards the Shah of Iran were given shelter in India. And, and they, uh, I'm told that they were all over Delhi, Bombay, etc., etc. On one occasion, they organized a rally. Now, this is an apocryphal story which I have picked up. I have, no, I have nothing to prove it. There was a demonstration. Mrs. Gandhi instructed the police and the intelligence department to identify each and every one of the protesters and they were sent out of the country. Now, unless you are able to sort of cushion yourself, cushion your national interest, hmm. it, it doesn't make any sense. So, the government of India's primary job is, is to mind people. the national I interest. Agree with you. It has nothing to do with what is happening elsewhere in yeah, the world. I, I agree with you. Although Between I, certain I, death and national interest of an abstract nature, I would choose saving a person from certain death. That's yeah, my opinion. I, yeah, I think that's a good point. Although I did hear this discussed that we are a signatory to the Anti-Torture Convention, which also has a clause that says that any person who comes as a refugee who will be subject to torture or death, certain, certain death or torture when he or she goes back, we... so. That, that's a legal aspect. But no, that's a legal have, aspect that's hair splitting. Look, sure, um, and, no, but uh, I'm no, just we, to finish. I'm coming back to the point that we have problems of our own. I understand that. I no. want I want the government of India no, no. to, to, to better look after yeah, India's that, Muslims than to pander to Rohingyas. You've made that that's point. I, I agree. But I think what, what I do is think no is... There is no uniformity uh, in terms of you know, implementation of the policy. Right. Uh, I have been covering uh, Bangladeshi, uh, you know, illegal migrants uh, since 1989 and uh, 90. And I have seen, I mean, I used to have the list of all the illegal immigrants, but the policy was that they have to go back, but they never went back. So I have a problem with the implementation, as as uh, Kanchan says, that two or three... Uh, ironically, it is Shashi Tharoor in his book, Pax Indica, who says that there are 20 million illegal Bangladeshis in India crawling out from the woodwork. That is his phrase, hmm. which is really derogatory. And just to add to it, in 1971, before India went to war, Mrs. Indira Gandhi did a whirlwind tour of Western capitals. Country after country, she made a single point when she was told that it's humanitarian, this, that. She said, no, it's, it's India cannot uh, shoulder the burden of so many refugees. My concern is just limited to that. Make your point. Uh, no, no, this was the, I mean, these were the words, I remember this, but it never implemented. I mean, they, they stayed back. Like he said, Rohingyas, one or two or three of Rohingyas were, uh, you know, part of this uh, Mujahideen or whatever. So, so are uh, some of the Afghanistanis and uh, Muslims and so are the 
it is equally true this is being used as a dog whistle for him to appeal to his base which is also why he follows the kind of people he does on twitter that's me it does not it not you the the guy who says ek kutiya ki maut hui pille min mina rahe hain that uh, what i'm saying is all listen, i'm saying listen, is these are these are dog whistles let i'm not saying that it is the it is the hinge or the fulcrum that the country moves on but let no one be under any illusion that these are passive acts but these are touching these are upon acts what's happening in america purposely these are dog whistles and that is as what true is as a dog whistle the dog whistle is using the crisis of the rohingyas to no but okay. but but the government of india did not create the crisis no, no, of rohingya the government of india it. is by no means responsible but that's even not for what i'm one saying rohingya but life that's, but that's not what i'm saying the whole the whole world Again, is that I, that's not what i'm saying i am saying is he is using that to appeal to his base to that this is still my stand as far as a cultural the, appropriation the, the is concerned the decision Just, the mm-hmm. decision to act against the 40000 rohingya who now are in india taken way before the current Again, crisis you're not listening in, to what i'm saying dada i'm not no, saying one that second, hmm. one second two there are other aspects to it which i really don't want to get into for because i think that would be uh, violating somebody's confidence but to just touch on it we also need to let the un high commissioner for refugees in delhi know that he cannot keep on handing out cards to anybody who knocks on his door irrespective of what the government of india and that may be a bjp government that may be a congress government that may be a third front government thinks about it and let me assure you that when the congress was in power when the upa was in government they had a serious problem about the handing out of refugee cards by the unhcr that could be true while what i'm saying is also true one the two are not mutually exclusive what i'm saying is using a situation the first is a reality the, the, what you are saying is a construct it's not a construct dog whistles and political rhetoric has been used for centuries every politician does that why do we suddenly assume that mr modi doesn't do that are you saying that every politician in the history of the world has used dog whistles but mr modi doesn't no i have no, every on this every politician i'm stretching it 
especially when you have a base. But taking uh, it uh, on uh, another point, also one is really ironical because I'm getting rather cynical of awards in this country, Bharat. I mean, Padma Shri's and Padma Bhushan, considering the kind of people who've been getting them. Uh, I don't know if you got one, Kanchanda. No, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. And let me also tell you something. I think I can't remember the year when I first made the statement, but I personally believe that civilian awards in a republic have no place. I mean, they have I no place in the republic. From the government. So, and yeah. So I, anyway, the point mm. that I wanted to make was different, which is that. Uh, ironically that uh, people who have received the peace prize uh, the nobel peace prize have very often uh, not lived up to it and i think in this uh, ong sun sang chi hmm. she's called the rohingyas terrorists she has turned a blind eye to what is happening and basically turned her back on them and her peace prize was for being under house arrest for that many years after that, she has accomplished little except traveled all around the world with flowers in her hair and met state dignitaries. That's my I assessment. Think her of it. coming down, yeah. I, I, I think he was quite a media creation. That's I, I completely with you on that. I just but, have one quick but, but, email. But, but, but she leads Burma. Her Not really. She's on the side of leading Burma. Okay, uh, but she. She's made a deal, and in any case, she's made a deal. Security is not as concerned. She's not allowed. Yeah, she's not. Yeah. But then, but even then, I can't, your conscience... I, I, I do not expect her to take on the Buddhist clergy mm. in Burma. I do not expect her to take on the majority community so of Burma. heroine ban gai. Uh, heroine you see the world created her into some sort of it's like Malala Malala goes around preaching everybody including India how to deal with its Kashmir problem but she would not utter a single word on what Pakistan is doing in Balochistan or how Pakistan is going around treating its own minorities whether they be the Christians no, the Hindus but I or think the Hazaras or the Shias sure, sure huh? I and for me, she doesn't have to. I think what she has done is worth enough for me to appreciate her. I don't think she has to speak up for every injustice ever occurring or occurred in Pakistan. What she has been through and what she has done is way more than what many leaders who we consider or respect have done. So oh, for me, I I'm, I'm just saying this thing that everyone has had to and she has spoken up against the Taliban in Pakistan who even many rulers of Pakistan don't have the nuts to do. So let's be clear about that. But for to dismiss someone's you know accomplishments because she hasn't accomplished I'm not, everything else. I'm not else. dismissing anybody's accomplishment. Because I've heard her talk and she has no, said no, stuff not, about I'm Pakistan. Not, I'm not dismissing anybody's accomplishment. All I'm saying is that the Nobel Prize was conceived in a certain manner. Over the years, over the decades, it has evolved into a political honor. Kissinger it is, got it. It, it. it is given for certain reasons. Yeah. And we should just stop with that. That's fine. Now, I, Mr. So Obama got the, Mr. Obama got the bomb, Nobel. Who dropped more bombs than Bush. Yeah, yeah. I get that. So, so, so he got it in but, anticipation. Yeah, but that's, yeah, but that's uh, a separate so, issue. Whether so let us not talk about Nobel yeah. that just because she... But the, whether Malala, but what she says matters and she says enough way more than others would. And, and I her think that's life great. is fascinating. I, find yeah. uh, I have an email here from... Um, he had actually written to me earlier because he really disagreed with what Malala. I said. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sheikh Ahmad. He is a subscriber of News Laundry. I had said something about the Quran on my Twitter that it 
you know has a lot of bigotry and i i am a huge um dismisser of political texts of sorry uh, religious texts and uh, he took offense to what i'd said so i had promised him we'll do a longer discussion on that um because i stand by my statement on that but he's sent a very nice mail uh, explaining certain other things and sheikh i remember the promise i made we will do that podcast uh, his complaint was when we discuss islam we don't have any muslim here or an islamic scholar so we should do that if we're going to be discussing religion so i said we should do one so um this is what he says milniri he says dear nl team as customary i'm an nl subscriber for more than a year and love your articles and interviews conducted by the portal would like to take this opportunity to appreciate the response from abhinandan in one of the mail conversation on quran and how one has to deep dive to understand better and break away from the regular stereotypes surrounding islam and quran i remember that mail and i promise we'll do that soon then he says rohingya muslim refugees in the last hafta anand did bring the rm refugees rm is the rohingya muslims being sent back to myanmar because india has its own issues and other islamic countries are not showing interest in getting these refugees per capita basis here is a twitter thread from anand's timeline and data shown as per kiran rijiju statement in the parliament there are 14000 refugees as per data from unhrc with some unknown sources claim 40000 so uh, anand has updated that in his column but officially this figure is still 14000 here are the articles from al jazeera showing data about other countries one can look at the numbers i think this is the data you're talking about this talks about the amount intake from the 1970. from 1970 so this is not just now in this it says 350000 yeah pakistan pakistan and bangladesh um and then he's written a longer um, you know mail about um and he's given he cited articles from npr uh, when crisis people always flee to the neighboring country so any republic nation responsibility is to take in people who are in danger same the case with syria and sudan crisis let me share the data here he's got the npr chart which country hosts the most refugees on this is the npr chart turkey is number 1 pakistan is number 2 lebanon is number 3 iran is number 4 ethiopia is number 5 jordan is number 6 kenya is number 7 uganda germany and then chad uh, and this does not include data for palestinian refugees who are historically reason under the jurisdiction of unrwa then he says the interactive unhrc site gives clear idea of how many refugees taken by country across the world basically i you can read this entire email on uh, our website he says that we were wrong on saying that no muslim country has taken in refugees and he's given several articles that they have taken many more than the western countries put together in just in the syrian I'm talking of rohingya <coughs> except bangladesh no but i think at that time i we also spoke about syrian refugees refugees in no, general no, that no, they no, 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 no 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 listen and i just finished see, this letter is, there is a difference hmm. uh if germany says that we have taken in 1 syrian refugees it is data which is verifiable if pakistan says we have taken in 5 million syrian mm, refugees it is not verifiable it is not verifiable so i am not even going to consider this worthy of discussion at least okay. i i won't do it okay so the, uh, and he finishes off by saying uh, congrats to megna to come up with constitution vlogs love the first episode looking forward to many more informative ideas high respect to manisha who did good on field reporting including the latest on the dera riots looking forward to the rohtak article All power to NL team. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Sheikh Ahmed. Thanks, Sheikh, for your encouraging words. Uh, everyone can read Sheikh's mail with the data provided and the charts given on the website. Um, Anand, anything before we move on? No, but uh, on the Quran thing that you said, incidentally, this week there was an incident where a Times Now panelist. Oh yeah, um, RSN. One, you know, something that we discovered long ago. 
suddenly the world is discovering who did that report on these experts raw experts who are anything but experts shitej had done that piece uh, it wasn't as detailed as now but yeah i i remember that yeah answer. but i mean you know so there's probably going to be a fatwa and times now rss rahul shiv shankar had to hmm. uh, tweet the apology oh yes the apology i made a snarky yeah, comment about you know, that um, and there was this uh, mr bukhari Uh, he's rising kashmir some guy yeah he's written for us as well okay right but uh, i mean uh, terribly uh, i don't know I, i would say bigoted statements from him and if you were to screen his thing says if anybody says anything against prophet muhammad then i'm proud to be intolerant and on the day of the charlie hebdo attack he says well lessons learned don't say anything against muhammad so yeah i think there is a serious serious problem <laughs> there madhu you want to come in on this but on rss rahul shiv shankar when he distanced himself i said if you want to occupy that hateful bigoted space have the nuts to stand by it a he said and he didn't just refer to the prophet as prophet or muhammad or whatever else you know we normally he wrote prophet muhammad pbuh peace be upon him and ka yaar rahul shiv shankar roz raat ko tu apni taraf se whatever you can do demonize the community to karta hai ab peace be upon him ho gaya मतलब अगर लेना है पंगा तो ले फिर भाई पूरा ले आई मीन आई एम जस्ट शॉक दैट ही हैज कल्टिवेटेड नटर्स लाइक आर एस एन सिंह एंड यू नो व्हाट दे डू एंड नाउ ही अपॉलोजाइज एनीवे मधु गो ऑन द रेफ्यूजी क्राइसिस और ऑन दिस आई आई थिंक एन अपॉलोजी वाज नॉट वारंटेड आई मीन देयर वाज रियली नो रीजन फॉर हिम टू अपॉलोजाइज आई वुंट हैव डन इट एंड डिड यू सी द डिबेट द इनफॉर्म डिबेट दैट ही हैज नो आई एम नॉट सरप्राइज्ड टोटली टर्न्ड ऑफ ट्विटर Facebook and TV channels, news channels. So I'm a very odd journalist these Talking days. Talking of which, Kanchanda, please come back to Twitter. Please. No, don't bother. I'm going also. Oh, come on. What's up, yeah? We need Raman, you. Raman, you have a view on this? Galiyan, galiyan, galiyan. What's the big point? <laughs> But we, you know, we can discuss this thing, Abhinandan, that you were talking about. Uh, Narendra Modi following and not because I I watched yeah, Madhu. Let's, uh-huh. let's just wind up with yesterday. That okay. We, we, uh, we have one more email. I'll just say right now. Okay. Sorry. This email we'll read next time. This is actually directed to. you and mr vardhan uh, there's something about me also later but basically to you so we'll take it next time and he's also here so whoever's written this this will be taken up next episode cuz anand vardhan isn't here this episode ha huh. so i i saw madhu's uh, in fact nidhi uh, who kind of went into rage yesterday night in the tv so she was reading out loud she was ranting uh, about these uh, Uh, terrible tweets the one i talked about the same guy who said pillay mar gaya putiya mar gayi and everything yeah. they were pretty disgusting yeah. and uh, she she took serious issue that why is the prime minister following the, this idiot she called him hmm. um why he, he's uh, answerable he's accountable as prime minister why is he following him now honestly i think we're beginning to take these this twitter even though the prime ministers of the countries and prime presidents are using it as a form of communication i still treat it with some kind of it's f- the kind of frivolity it it represents so to take it that seriously that narendra modi is a follower of this guy i don't take it a- seriously at all because narendra modi also follows me which means that <laughs> everything that i tweet narendra modi supports no i don't think so So take it with a pinch of salt. I don't think it's a big issue if Narendra Modi follows him. Forget it. Narendra Modi Modi follows a lot of people. Raman, you have with different views. No, I think we need to sift out uh, the people. I mean, the kind of comments that this guy has made and the kind of comments that you make. I think they blocked him. Some guy kind of. Uh, some i mean you you maybe you are trying there to make an argument. There are followers and there are followers. But you can't you can't argue by calling somebody 
Sure, I mean, the, what he's losing it's, it's, all yeah, these yeah, yeah, but I agree with that. Uh, I, I so agree with that. Is the Prime Minister following no, so him? Mean, the, uh, if the Prime him. Minister comes to know about these things, I mm. mean, uh, there is such a guy exists, in, you know, mm. so he can always uh, unfollow him. Sure. So I'm not saying, I mean, it's a big deal, but he can always unfollow him. But we, see, as a news, when I look at it, I got four guys who are making all kind of expletive and, and Prime Minister is following them. So yeah. it's a news to me. No, also, it's look, a, I follow a lot of people who definitely I do not agree Mother, with. you're not the PM, man. Okay, that's bad okay. news. <laughs> Kanchanda, is it bad news to me. Is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? Does it concern you? The Prime Minister of India does not physically handle his own account. He has an account handler. For, I guess, several criteria are used as to why he would want to follow somebody. I don't think you would judge anybody from who that person follows. And uh, you could be following, I mean, some crazy tune because he's funny. No, that doesn't make you funny. Hmm. The same argument could be turned around and say, and one could say that why do journalists follow Lalu Prasad Yadav? He's a convicted criminal. Hmm. So why do they want to follow a convicted criminal? I have an answer to each of your questions, but I'll let you finish. And uh, no, I on Lalu Yadav, you may say that he's also a politician, but he, what I mean, he's a politician who's propped up by media. He cannot even contest an election or hold a public office. So it, it can just go on and on and on. And As on. it must. And uh, I have now come round to the view. I personally have come round to the view that Twitter is now a tower of Babel and more and more it looks like a troop of baboons with furious chattering, each saying something more outrageous than the outrageous other. than the other, not because you feel outraged, but you want to draw attention towards yourself. Yeah, you're right. Like, absolutely. you know, what if I get killed? Are Baba, it you haven't got killed. No, and the funny uh, thing that, that happens... Uh, Gauri Lankesh has got killed, so let us talk about Gauri Lankesh. No, what if I get killed? Tomorrow we could get killed. I mean, is that what it... Uh, I know, there's, there's an interesting... Uh, uh, and, 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 and reasoned debate is no longer possible. It's not possible. The space for humor has gone out. It has been squeezed out. You cannot, you cannot genuinely poke fun... I mean, I, I, I just, you know, somebody yesterday said that uh, Barkha uh, created a shindig at Chennai airport because of security or something. And Barkha said, no, that is not the case. And that is not why it happened. And this guy said, no, of course it was because you had a priority pass. So I just thought I would make fun of it and say, what exactly is a priority pass? Does it let you jump security? And 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 she thought that I was... I was making fun of her. I wasn't. But what if you were? So what? No, and no, but I wasn't. I genuinely wasn't. But coming back to Anand, no, Prime Minister following abuse. Can I just say that like Twitter, hmm. it, it's really my experience of it is that you're standing there quietly looking at the sunset. Some guy passes by and gives you one slap. The second guy sees, maybe two Third, suddenly you have five, six, ten guys slapping you, slapping you, slapping you. Nobody knows why they're slapping you, but because the first guy slapped you, they're slapping away, slapping away, slapping away. That's Twitter. Hmm. Anand, PM no, following. You know, I, I heard on, on this issue, I heard Madhu's thing and let me disagree with her a little bit. Uh, 
गैंगिंग अपन मी नो गैंगिंग अपन मी ठीक है हम भी देख लेंगे लाजिम में हम भी देखेंगे लॉट ऑफ पीपल हैव एक्चुअली ड्रॉन सिमिलैरिटीज विद यू नो देर इज अ कॉम्युनिस्ट हैंडल कर्नल नामबिया और समला दैट हु एक्चुअली ट्वीट्स रियली गोरी इमेजेस ऑफ murdered rss people throats cut and all that and saying proud day rss another Oof. rss person killed and he is followed by a lot of communists uh, uh, you know politicians mm. and a lot of journalists as well but the the point madhu is that i agree that you know when they say a man is uh, or a woman is known by the company he or she keeps you talking of as dada was saying physical contact or being friends twitter is not like that but having said that Uh, he really should unfollow because it it says is more virtual now it's and, not physical uh, anymore and i agree what dada says maybe he did not follow this guy maybe the team narendra modi team followed okay. him but now he would know certainly he would know that this guy i have been following this guy unfollow the guy no, i just have a point to make it's terrible. which is it i is hope somebody con- is keeping track it is ke unfollow kiya ke nahi Haan, unfollow kiya ke nahi we are keeping track <laughs> but the point is that <laughs> i would like to so it is convenient to brush us under the carpet if we take each of these actions in isolation you see these as part of a trend which is like i said what a dog whistle does who remembers that entire convention of his online army which he addressed as a shabashi who supported him in the do you remember how many abusers were there were photographed who is shaking hands with Okay let me let us not a be blind to that or pretend that doesn't exist in order to whitewash what i consider a horrible dog whistle it is an endorsement of violence because that is his base he will not abandon his base trump will not delete that erroneous tweet of black murder figures because if he deletes that his base will say see he's chickened out mr modi's base is the vilest base i have had in my living memory i'm seeing a lot of you know decent people also like him even in my family like him my dad was you know a modi enthusiast he's not anymore but enthusiasts are different people survive because their base you know the uh, mayawati may be very popular for a brief while among you know south delhi also but she knows those are the, her useful idiots her base is what matters mr modi's base will not take kindly ravi shankar prasad condemned the uh, abusive tweet see the kind of people who are abusing him followed by the prime minister because they believe pm ka hath hum par hai aur hum karenge just a second who among yeah, the yeah. people who the prime minister follows hmm. has abused ravi shankar prasad it's it's in an article today no, no, who among the people who, whom the yes, prime, minister prime minister follows, follows. has abused ravi shankar prasad i'll tweet out the article it was there no, no, so but because I'm my just, understanding is that mr ravi shankar prasad made that statement Uh, and i think somebody else also did from the government side smriti irani uh, on on instruction no no he just read ravi shankar no no he's talking about the abuse Achha. so, so ravi shankar prasad put it out on instruction i mean he must have genuinely so, felt it also so i don't think the prime minister condones no no i'm just finishing I, on I, that i think that I, that you know you are constantly using the term dog whistle that this is prime minister's dog whistle to his base the vilest base let us not be so condescending of the prime minister's or mr modi's base just because he is mr modi uh, i mean if it is rahul gandhi would we say that he has the vilest base or the most dumbest base possibly or the most moronic that, base possibly it, he would uh, have the most servile base the only reason So, I so can see. He has the dumbest so, base. So, so let us let us not so, let us not label bases. 
if because i'm sure a whole lot of people support mr modi because for a whole lot of reasons yeah, i haven't finished yet and they have absolutely no idea that is, what people on twitter are saying about him against but that is what i said but that him. is what i said a lot of very decent people i'm sure do but a politician caters to his base you know that better than me you've been covering these people longer than i've been observing them and so one is i won't take see this in isolation it is part of how he has rewarded certain people even if it is just by access or giving them a handshake because mm-hmm. that is their identity followed proud to be followed by xyz and the fact that this has been pointed out to him several times but he does not do it what would it take he unfollowed a lady because she complained to him of harassment he unfollowed her that was not a passive action he actively unfollowed her because she kept tagging him and complaining him of harassment from his supporters the fact that he doesn't do it is not a benign act is what i'm saying it is conscious and it is a statement uh, no I, 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 would, statement. i would i would disagree with it i don't think mr modi uh, actually i mean if he does have the time to go through what is happening on twitter then uh, then mr modi really is not using his time properly or as he claims he's using it so it's a one line instruction to his team which you said handles it you have to want to do it i don't expect the prime minister when you're i guess you know the prime minister better than log- me no no i'm just saying he has to tell someone since you're saying a team manages it i'm just saying it's it's a bit of a you know easy Abhi exit aisa nahi hota hai the I real life i suspect that he has more to do with it than we think oh of course he does mother no But in the sense of actual words and you because there's some things which are spontaneous some things which are spontaneous when he's at a meeting in a foreign country and all that is spontaneously i said this this happened and all that i don't think it's all done by his team hmm. yeah but you know no, not that i'm going to take a a live u turn but i've you know during this conversation i've appreciated madhu stand a little bit more uh, which is because i've just realized that you know i follow you know a lot of people for example tanmay comes to mind immediately now some of his tweets Uh, uh you know possibly can be arrested for it you know yeah. the kind of um, use the word pedophilia but you know the kind of humor that is he's used in that um but millions of people follow him now again i we that's a sentence saying, i won't accept about so anything are, but we, there, are people, people there are people there are people you know in their moments it for example shekhar gupta he said the scores are even between rss and uh, the killings of rss the you know, rss killed and cpm killed the scores are even chalo baat khatam ho gayi no but See, the, you know, that kind of thing no, when you but, are talking but, of death yeah but anand one thing you know i think we say this often i am doing so and so dude you guys aren't the pm yeah every like if i tomorrow that by some and then i maintain that he should unfollow so, right so what i'm I'm saying is that qualifying it by saying that like, i appreciate like mother you can't please him and me choose because <laughs> 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 he'll always be the opposite side of the fence <laughs> but um so we'll just wind up we've gone on pretty long today so i'd request the panel to think of something uh, that we can recommend we always dada as you know leave with a suggestion to our uh, audiences it could be a book a film an experience something they should read something they should watch so I would like them to read something um to watch something um which in fact I highly recommend Anand watch it it's an old documentary film but I just watched it on Enron on Netflix I've seen that um and when you watch that there's another award winning documentary called The Corporation mm-hmm. and like I told you I believe we live in a post ideological world and any ism is 18th or 19th century but people who still identify capitalism as a system that works need to watch this film and the corporation together 
capitalism's ism has done more of a domino effect damage around the world than any other ism has done other than within their country confines of their country you watch that film and you see the kind of domino effect that happens as a system to suggest that it is some magic wand is i think that film really debunks that and it's made by americans that's my suggestion uh, let's go this way anand yeah no i i'd make uh, two suggestions uh, both reading one is there was this absolutely horrific incident that happened this week which is that the upper caste of a village in kerala oh, they dude. actually put endosulfan which is a pesticide into a dalit well okay and it is so horrific yeah. that i can't believe that you know people in this day and age can actually do that that's that's actually you know attempting to murder hundreds of people in one go Yeah, and that, that brought me to you know what i consider to be the greatest speech made by an indian which was uh, dr ambedkar in 1943 and it's called the rana day address and i highly recommend people read that not just for you see what makes a great speech i'm kind of in the middle of writing an article on that what makes nice. a great speech because there are you know people the martin luther king speech or kennedy speech or nehru speech whatever a speech a great speech has to be a mix of three or four things which i will illustrate in the article so i don't say it here but just for the literary value and the content of that and how beautifully he assessed in fact you know the thing that we were talking about marriages and symbolism in hinduism mm. and what he says is so right he says the hindu philosophers carried in one hand uh, the beautiful hindu philosophy and in the other hand manu not knowing which hand held What? you know whatever mm. and that actually sums up what has been wrong in uh, you know hinduism propagating this evil of caste system you see it's not that he's criticizing the hindu philosophy he's just saying that the people who were in charge of propagating that so you know hindu philosophy never came to be signifying the society philosophy for the hindu society so please read that speech very slowly it's mm. beautiful and where can they access it Uh, the link is Columbia, below. Yeah, the link, the is, link below. is below. Dada. Yeah, I, I will. I will recommend something which is not so highbrow. Right. People must go out, and if they haven't already watched it or seen it, there's this wonderful movie called A Death in the Gunj. I've heard so much about it. They must, it. and you must. Mm. Uh, and Madhu, I would also suggest that you should go and watch this film. Uh, I have. I have. I I don't watch films as a rule but uh I I really enjoyed this film and I think people should watch it. The other thing which I would want to recommend uh th- there's this wonderful book out now called The Strange Death of Europe. Uh people should Europe you should people should read this book. It's a, a contemporary commentary yes, or uh, yes. Okay. And then the, the the decline and uh, looming death of european civilization as it were or the idea of europe mm-hmm. so these are the two things i okay. thought i would recommend thank you raman sir uh is a book uh, autobiography by andre agassi okay uh it's a lovely book i never knew that he was his father was an iranian Hmm. and is such a successful uh, american i think uh, as as successful as pete sampras was mm-hmm. and uh, it's a very very honest uh, biography that i've read all right recently madhu um i don't know if i recommended this before but this book the sell out by paul beatty hmm. um 
this he's black american and um he's he turns over black writing very much the way salman rushdie did to all the post colonial writers such as naipaul and ved mehta and that daddy me g and all that nonsense and how uh, rushdie stopped explaining indians to the white man and he turned that whole concept around by just writing um so i, I don't want to talk too much about rushdie but paul has done exactly that to the older african american writers such as tony morrison and um james baldwin and he's turned it around and it, it is today's current african american thinking and very uh, irreverent wild uh, absolutely insane he also is married so the to the daughter of a, of a friend of mine oh, so that's all is right is the one that got man booker prize sorry yes yes, yes that's yes. the one oh, and the other the other uh, uh, movie that i would like to uh, recommend is um, a documentary the last men in aleppo it's a very emotional beautiful film of these men who wear white helmets and are just on rescue rescue missions un Syrian, no, 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 Syrian, no, Syrian, Syrian, Syrian men. Syrian. I, I was you yes. yes, yes, okay. Yes. And then this one called. Um, Though enough for t- for this week. Okay, fine. You have to keep one for next this week. The censorship. Also. You say there's freedom in this country. What are you <laughs> saying, Kanchanda? <laughs> What nonsense! Bethe bethai zaban kardi. And okay, Madhu, tell us the third one. मैंने बताया नहीं गुस्सा बाबा में. Okay, now we are winding up. Uh, I hope you have the time to listen to the entire hafta this week. We've gone around for over two hours this this week, I think. but uh, i'm sure it will be enriching whenever kanchanda's here it's worth the extra time trust me and thank you for subscribing those of you who do uh, don't be such cheap skates those of you who don't uh, listen to the hafta where we hope to talk and engage and come up with ideas and today's song is i would like to dedicate it to voices that should not be silenced speak up speak out because you still can all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please.